A group of whales is called a pod. Thanks, Captain America. And welcome to a zero-credit supplemental reading of Marvel's Avengers Endgame, or Marvel's Avengers Endgame. I'm your host, John. And I'm your co-host, Henry. And for those of you who aren't aware of Zero Credit Supplemental Reading, uh, real quick, up top, we, myself and Henry, have found a, a little-known piece of popular culture that we think <laughs> is pretty interesting, and we will discuss it no-holds-barred, full spoilers, and if you listen to this, I pray God you've seen the movie. Have mercy on your soul, have you not seen the movie, because we are pulling no spoiler punches. Yes, if you are not one of the billion dollars worth of people that has seen this movie, pause it, uh, go see the movie, and then once the movie is concluded 17 hours from now, resume the podcast. Yes, this is what we want you to do. We want you to have the episode pulled up and already playing, and now pause it, keep your phone in your hand, watch the three-hour, one-minute movie with your phone in your hand, and as soon as those credits start rolling, hit play... And you can be in the know in the theater. And my suggestion to you is as you're in the theater and your phone is on and bright, you're looking at the pause episode and you're looking at the movie going, God, please, God, God, please. And then once it's over, you hit play. Yeah, that's all we ask. So uh Marvel's Avengers Endgame, the sequel to, and of course I'm talking about this podcast, the sequel to, probably our most impressive supplemental reading. I don't know about that, but people sure seem to like it. <laughs> yeah, they, they certainly did like that one, much as people enjoyed Infinity War. I, I will say that uh, I randomly decided to post that we were going to do this supplemental reading this week on a, an off time on a Monday morning, and more than any other tweet we have organically posted, this <laughs> this fact that we're doing this supplemental reading on this movie got the most fam interaction. So either people are jazzed about it, or we're just going to let a whole lot of people down. Uh, I think uh, one of the two is definitely going to happen. We're riding that endgame bump, for sure. Now, fans to the series, to the supplemental reading series that Zero Credits puts on, will remember that we did talk about Infinity War. I don't know what funny name we... Affinity Ward. Affinity Ward. We talked about that at length, and we had a few predictions. Yeah, we, we had a few predictions uh, kind of interspersed throughout the episode. And I want to say, going back to it... Well, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything. I kind of want to tackle them one at a time. Oh, okay. See maybe what was accurate, what was inaccurate. Number 1, I said the time travel would be a significant factor in this movie and I was 100% correct. Yeah, exactly. I was we, I was throwing my hands up to the sky lamenting how on earth are they going to fix this and you quite quite stoically just said while well, shrugging, time travel. Yeah. And that's what we got. They, they have to travel through time. They have to create a, a dust buster squad. People who, who bust the dust. Bust the dust. Uh, and uh, really, they did not end up going back in time in a way that I had predicted. Because I was probably just talking out of my ass. But I'm glad to see that I was right. And on the Henry scoreboard, I said somehow Ant-Man was going to be involved. And it was going to involve 
going to the small world, which we have now renamed <laughs> to the universe of bugs. Yeah, the universe and that's of ex- bugs. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So we're both one for one on our predictions, which happened a year ago. Go back and listen. Yeah, absolutely. Go back and listen. By the way, spoilers in this episode for the previous. A supplemental reading of Marvel's. If you if you haven't, oh, just the, the spoilers to our podcast yeah, episode. It is the spoilers. This is a supplemental reading of two things. Uh, but I, it's difficult to talk about this movie. But I I know that typically speaking, for supplemental readings, we will at least talk in broad strokes about the plot. But you've seen the movie, and I don't know about you, Henry, or you listeners, but the movie is uh maybe the densest work of fiction I've ever consumed and is almost impossible to remember every detail of. Yeah, it's insane. This is one of the longest movies I've ever sat through. It's three-hour running time, no intermission, and uh, they just pack every second. There's no... There's no... There's a lot of slow moments, but there's no empty moments. There's no filler. Everything that's happening is vital to understand and important... So we're going to miss some things. Yeah, we are absolutely going to miss some things and maybe even misremember some things. Because I think maybe chiefly above all for this movie's uh, narrative merits, it manages to be the only movie I've seen that's over three hours long that is packed with content and ideas throughout. Yeah, like there are slow moments, but there's no low points, you know. I, I Even just from the beginning, the opening, where it's like, oh... We're getting this, I wouldn't call it a cold open because it's a movie and movies don't have to necessarily have title sequences, mm-hmm. but we're getting this this moment with Hawkeye's family, with Clint Barton's family, that we kind of knew must have happened, but still sucker punches you in the stomach all the same. And just like an Infinity Ward, where the opening of the movie kind of sets the tone for the movie with the whole slaughtering of the Asgardian people... This movie starts with the the dusting of Clint Barton's family, which also sets the tone of the movie. It's going to be a sad, long ride. Yeah, it uh, it was sad and it was long. I, I think that uh, maybe my favorite part of the movie is the first about half. Yeah. Because the movie... Uh, kind of throughout, even to the end for the, for the victories that are racked up along the way, it is an extremely somber movie, which props to them because ending Infinity War, uh, Affinity Ward, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, at the ending of Affinity Ward, I thought that the thing that would disappoint me the most is if the direction they took with this was they pick up where they left off and they're either, uh, overly melancholy, or they just kind of hit their stride again and come up with a plan within the first 20 minutes. But I really appreciated that you get to live in the sadness of what the Snapture did. Yeah, like choosing to th- these choices to open on a-, a scene that's technically happening before or during the end of the last movie. And, and then the slow roll into this is the Avengers 21 days after the Snapture. Into a plan that ultimately does not resolve the problem, even though it does kill the perpetrator of mm-hmm. the problem. And then that really long five years later. Like, yeah. that's... The, the the Russo brothers and the writers made a decision that the, the first 20 minutes is going to crush the soul of the audience. Because the fact that five years pass means... Our heroes 
are struggling with major, major problems. Depression, failure, the earth is all fucked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, and these problems have no quick, easy solutions, so we're gonna be here a while, folks. I I really thought that the Russo brothers would be very good at doing a specific thing, and that is communicating that there's not an easy solution to this, which... I'd say as the movie progresses, they maybe do better sometimes and worse others. But I feel like the first 30 minutes of that movie, when you see this is what happened after that, this is the the slow reconciliation with those things. And even before the five-year jump, when they kill Thanos, yeah, when they meet Thanos on the garden. With his skinny arm. And in, and he's got, he, you see him, he's basically a subsistence farmer now. Yeah. And he's, he, he's picking fruit up and trying to cook out of a big pot and... Their their killing of him is completely meaningless. Yeah, like, he's lost a lot of body mass. Yeah. He's like a skinny purple man. He's not skinny, but like, for some reason I thought his arms were like really, I don't know, he looked kind of emaciated a little bit. Yeah, they made him look thinner and paler. And, And the fact that like he's so unceremoniously killed kind of like proves the fact that, well, killing him did nothing. Yeah, because even... I'll, I'll say what I want for, like, the rest of the movie. Uh, I would have loved if this movie effectively had no antagonist. That would be amazing, but I don't know how you do that. Yeah, it, it would almost be impossible from a, a storytelling perspective, but I, I thought it would be really interesting if it was them fixing this problem from the perspective of the hollow universe they have to live in, because it's sad, and also, I, I do want to say, because I think we talked about this a little bit, just the movie-going experience that we had going into Affinity Ward, uh, when the five years later yeah. comes up, I was like, I love that they're making this laborious to show that the unceasing trudge through time has been uh, just horrible and an and elongated mess. And when I was in the movie theater, I did not have the pleasure of seeing this in an Alamo draft house. Neither did I. Uh, so I saw it in, I believe, an AMC theater. I saw it in an AMC theater as well, which, funnily, funnily enough, we both did last time, too, for Infinity War. Yeah, we, we did the exact same thing because there were no tickets for Alamo. No. Nope. Because Alamo would have been the right way to see it. And then when it went five years, uh, the guy behind us went, what, later? And uh, this is this is when I would like to institute my policy of you should just be able to kill one person <laughs> because there's no I really wanted oh. to beat the shit out of that guy because I'm like fucking of course it says later everyone's on the same page it's drawing it out for emphasis yeah. you fucking tool this isn't this isn't guessing the content what happened in my theater uh I said under my breath with when the late like the when I figured out the five years later was coming, I I said, "Oh my god!" And somebody behind me gasped. Yeah, like that's the that's the right response to it because it's one thing to do a flash forward; it's another thing to do a flash forward that actually, like you said, but trudgingly shows the passage of time. This was not a quick five years for these characters. Yeah. And the fact that we open up on these long shots of empty stadiums that sort of zooms into uh, a cl- like a close-up on Captain America talking to a support group. Yep. He's not out fighting. He's not out saving the day. He's out trying to save souls. 
Which, and I mean, I, I think that this is one of the things that the movie does very well that I really liked is that, and these people are good at making movies. Uh, Captain America is talking to and potentially leading this support group because, and I realized this upon li- leaving the movie, uh, Captain America has been living in post-snap world since he woke up. You what? Oh, every person, everyone, every he person knows. he ever knew died. So yeah. he is uniquely, which is why he's kind of the only person who kind of keeps their shit together. He kind of has a vaccination, you know, because he went through it a little bit already. Yeah, everyone he loved already died, and then of course that does come back later in the movie. Yeah, uh, but that's absolutely why he's leading a group like that, and, and why he maintains, I believe, a level of composure throughout the movie is that. Uh, Cap- Captain America, there's a duality in this movie between Captain America and Thor. Yes. Because one of them has experienced, both of them have experienced loss Tremendous, on a scale yeah. that is unimaginable. But one has had that happen over the course of decades. One has had that happen over the course of months. Yeah, and then five years. And then five years. Months and then five years. Just one tiny nerd fact. One tiny, I, I follow... A community stuff nerd fact. Community as in the show on NBC owned by Sony. Joe Russo is in that support group scene. Is he? He is the brunette with the glasses sitting toward the right. Oh. And he's one of the directors. And he, he's in a movie. This is the first time he's put himself in a movie. That's great. I love that. So that means I guess Anthony directed that scene. Probably. Or he was <laughs> just <laughs> when the camera was on anyone else, he was like, emote. <laughs> Do more. I can just see him like silently threatening. <laughs> you fucking emote. You fucking emote. Like he's doing the the choir director thing where he's like holding his fist to his mouth to yeah. signal talk louder. Talk louder. Uh, no, absolutely, I could see that. Uh, but I, but I, I do believe that there's this interesting duality between Captain America handles it well, Thor does not. Yes, and Thor. The choices made for the character of Thor in this movie are some of my favorite. Because, like, you talk, we, you said a line in the last one that, in the, our supplemental reading for Infinity War, that basically what makes a good, a superhero movie good is examining what happens to these basically flawed gods. Mm-hmm. And Thor is a literal god who has been worshipped by people, and he's never had to deal with depression. And it hits him fucking hard, so hard, that this is one of the more accurate de- portrayals of depression I've seen in a movie, and it's happening in a mainstream movie. Because when people think of depression, they think, oh, you're sad, and so you're going to be outwardly sad. When Hulk visits Thor, and Thor's hanging out with his brochure, watching his friends play Fortnite. By the way, Korg came back. I'm so happy Korg came back. Holy shit. <laughs> when that happens... It shows that the Russos don't totally hate Ragnarok. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and and Hulk, like, Thor is just like, nah, I'm doing good, man. Like, what, do you want a beer? We got beer. It's just, he's putting forth these smiles, and but it's very clear that he's, like, he's lost his entire family. He's lost his home. He's lost pretty much everything, and he failed to kill Thanos. He failed to stop the snap from happening, even though he was the closest one to stopping them. And so it, and it, and it's not like Hulk comes in and says, we need you. And he's immediately better. Yeah. No, he's still healing. He's not better throughout the entire movie. Yeah. They, they solve the problems that they solve. 
And Thor still, he hands over the reins because he's like, I'm not, they have a king. You're doing great. I got to go figure my shit out. Yeah. So I'm going to go car hop in the, uh, in the guardian ship and we'll become the Asgardians of the galaxy. <laughs> and if that's not in the fucking third Guardians <laughs> movie, I will be sad and I will not watch it. It's got to be hashtag James Gun Control. Uh, what I, what I really, what I appreciate about Thor is that he doesn't fix it over the course of the movie. However, and this is something that maybe we'll come back to later because I feel like this movie's relationship with women is weird. Uh, but it effectively fixes the Thor to the Dark World problem by having Frigga, Thor's mother, uh, give him an incredible post-depression pep talk. Yeah. About not being who you're supposed to be, but being who you are. Yes. Which is like, be sad. Sad things have happened to you. You're making yourself sadder by trying to be a person that you think you should be. But you should just be concerned about being who you are. The fact that he breaks down and, and you know, he, he cries in front of his mother is, is a great moment. Because it makes the depression all the more real. It's not just a gag. It's not we're making fun of Fat Thor for the sake of making fun of him. And this is all playing part of his character. It's all feeding him to depression. And the moment where his mother consoles him is the moment where you're like, shit, Thor's going through something for real. They're not just playing this up for, for, for gags. But how great would it be to be able to hold out your hand and receive a universal sign that you're still a decent person. I mean, I would kill for that. I would kill to have a universal sign tell me that I'm doing things at least remotely somewhat okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mjolnir is an incredible allegory for self because you you have the ability to wield it when you're worthy, which means you're worthy within yourself and a decent human being. Yeah. And... Thor did not have that. Did he have... He still had Stormbreaker. He had Stormbreaker, but Stormbreaker does not have the spell cast on it. Yeah, but Mjolnir, he he was like, I'm in this universe, I just want to see, because I don't feel like I'm a worthy person anymore, yeah. but obviously I still am. Yeah, because Odin casts a spell on Mjolnir, whoever is worthy of the powers of Sor can wield this hammer. There's no Odin to cast that same sort of spell on Stormbreaker, because Odin has sadly passed away. Yes. Odin, Loki, Frigga, all those Asgardians. A lot of lot of loss for Thor. So, I mean, one thing that I am glad to see is that... And there's a line in Infinity War that we both missed when we did our supplemental reading. Because we only had seen it once. Mm-hmm. But when Thor meets the Asgard... No, sorry. The Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time, there's a line where he kind of half whispers. Or, like, he kind of swallows the words... Thanos slaughtered half of my people. Mm-hmm. So even in that movie, it was only half. That kind of explains where Korg, Valkyrie, and the rest were. They were with the other half, however, wherever they were. Yeah. Because that's Thanos' whole thing, is he kills half. He kills half. It's... The characterization of Thor is great. This is something that the movie does very well throughout, and I think it, it trades in very well, is it does own the characterization throughout for almost every character there are some dark spots and it also it continues to play into what we were talking about with infinity ward you have to break rules to make a good movie so in infinity ward loki dies hulk is beaten up and in this one thor is not the muscle-bound hero thor is a depressed fat shell of his former self that's breaking a rule you've changed 
a character's like entire identity and future. I mean, one of the things that uh, is, is interesting, because every superhero movie is a power balance, and Civil War was allowed to be one of the best Marvel movies because the two most powerful people were on a different planet fighting in a gladiatorial ring. It was yeah. Thor and it was Hulk. You have to subjugate people who can just solve the problem by being there. Yeah, and, and the reason they could solve the problem by being there is, yes, due to their inherent power, but also due to the fact that those two characters at that point were effectively unstoppable. You had the Hulk who had one thing, which is he gets angry and has unbelievable, impossible power. And then you have Thor, who is self-assured, competent, and capable in all ways. Yeah. So get rid of those people and you're fine. Uh, but they sidelined people, interestingly, other than Captain Marvel, who is the most powerful character in the movies kind of period, other than maybe Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, they sidelined her. Here's my problem. I'm going to give, I'm going to give Captain Marvel a compliment sandwich. Number one, that haircut of fucking unstoppable. That haircut's so good. That haircut is, is so Captain Marvel. It's perfect. I have no opinions about hair. The uh, compliment sandwich, so that's a good one. So Bad that's one. Bread. Here's yes. the meat. And now here's the complaint meat. The complaint vegetarian supplement meat. Uh, so when when Captain Marvel slash Carol Danvers says, "Hey, people are going through this all over the universe," I'm like, "That's totally fair." And she's like, "You might not see me for a while." I'm like, "Yes, that's fair, but this is the only place in the universe that is actually fixing the thing." Well, they weren't at that time period. Yeah. It had been five years. There had been no developments. No one was trying to come up with a plan. So I, I think it's valid for her to be like, look, Earth's fucked as much as the rest of these places. I got to go date my hot Cree boyfriend, Jude Law. Who's, I've, maybe, I don't know what happened to her. I don't remember. I don't care. Oh, not boyfriend. <laughs> they are enemies. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a love-hate relationship. I don't know. Sure. It's been five years. It's been five years. Maybe he's the only one Actually, it's survived. been like 25 years. Doesn't matter. I kind of get why she... And like they have no way to communicate with her other than that weird desk. And no one stood in front of that weird desk. What again. about the beeper? The beeper it, died at the end of Captain it Marvel. It died, yeah. So they couldn't really call her back. I honestly feel like Captain Marvel is... That's her name? Yeah, Captain it Marvel. felt weird to say. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of Shazam. I'm thinking of Shazam. I honestly think she's in this movie because I think she's going to have a larger role to play in the ne- in the, in the the future phases mm-hmm. of this shared universe, which I don't even want to think about right now. But for this movie, it was kind of like she just has to be there so you recognize her later. Yeah, I mean, she she does do important things such as saving Tony Stark's life by bringing the ship back. Which, how did that happen? Because they were light years away, right? I don't know. See, I think I think that's when you're in the writer's room. It's like, well, how does Tony Stark get back? And you just write Captain Marvel. Yeah. And then the, the, it's up to the director to make sense of what that means. And they they did. I mean, Captain Marvel is a cosmic god. So, whatever. Uh, so, one character that I do want to talk about. And I feel like if we're not careful, talking about this character may take the majority of the supplemental reading away from us. I mean, the last in Infinity Ward, we talked about Thanos for like 40 minutes. So I do want to talk about the unequivocal protagonist of this movie. Wait, and, uh, before you name them. Yes. I'm interested because that's what we... And, <laughs> okay, so I listened to our previous episode for the fans who are like, why is Henry's memory amazing? 
But what we talked about in Infinity Ward supplemental reading was that Thanos was the protagonist of the movie, and we focused on that because the entire movie is built around him. One of the reasons I didn't like, se- seemingly I didn't like Endgame as much, was I couldn't identify who the through line was. Mm-hmm. But you're about to tell me who who it was. I, I think that, uh, and, and this is my, my genuine opinion as far as Endgame goes, because there is a unmistakable protagonist of Endgame. And it, it is the unmistakable protagonist of the last 11 years, because Endgame is Iron Man 4. Because the protagonist of Endgame is Tony Stark. I can see that a little. It starts with Tony Stark. It, I could I could agree that it it starts with Hawkeye. Okay. That's the cold open. <laughs> it starts with Tony Stark. You're absolutely right. It's oh we open that ship. Yeah, we open on that ship and it it ends with Tony Stark because I feel like Endgame and this might be getting kind of out in the weeds but it's something that I do believe. I think that Endgame is or at least is supposed to be the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we've come to know it. Because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is based on a total fluke. Yeah. Which is the Iron Man movie. Exactly. Which was arguably only good because John Favreau is kind of fun and is friends with Robert Downey Jr. And let him improvise a lot on set. Yeah. And let him write new lines. I, I, I'll agree with you. I really feel like this is the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. Uh, and there are definite definite signs to that end. Like, the, the majority of the focus on the movies on the original Avengers, the one who were first brought together haphazardly before Kevin Feige could step in and say, no, we gotta make sure this shit is all consistent. Yeah. Um, but the, the, like, they're, even in the credits, the credits in with the signatures and the, and the, the, the whole portraits, of the original six Avengers. Yeah. So I think this, and, and like there, there's so many callbacks, so many references. There's, there's on your left that, uh, Falcon says to Captain America before the amazing moment of all these forces coming together. There's the, the undeniable, you know, I am inevitable. And then the, the, and then I am Iron Man. I am Iron Man, which is how the first movie ended. Like all of these callbacks to kind of wrap the bow. On what I what really should be called Phase One. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the Avengers as we know it is over. Is over. And I feel like if, if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe story, as Iron Man was a good movie that people loved, and then the Incredible Hulk came out and people just watched it. I the Incredible Hulk. I didn't watch it. The Incredible Hulk had the first, I think, post credit sequence where Tony Stark as Iron Man shows up. And that created the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And people went nuts for it. Iron Man has a post-credit scene. Does it? Nick Fury steps oh, out and right, says, we're right. doing the S.H.I.E.L.D. initiative. Yeah, you're right. But the first confirmation of it was in yeah, Hulk. F- and it's Robert Downey Jr. He is the through line. Yeah, the first... Exactly. And and Robert Downey Jr. was the, the weight that held this universe together, kept people excited. And I feel like... And it's a very, it's a very meaningful send off for this character, but also I feel like essentially at, at the end of this, for the most part, the original Avengers are dead or significantly different. Yes, I would say definitely significantly different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't agree with dead. Uh, Black Widow. Honestly, for probably dead forever, however, yeah, she dead, is getting a movie. Dead, which is strange. 
Uh, but I, I feel like the protagonist of this movie is Tony Stark. It's not 100% a movie about Tony Stark. I would say that the original... Sorry, the, the real protagonist is the original Avengers. Yeah. I, I would... Yeah. I would say this is as much Captain America's movie. It's as much Captain America's movies as it is Iron Man's movie. I will say Iron Man got the better and bigger send-off. Yeah, he, he definitely got the better and bigger send-off. But I mean, I love you 3000. Now you can rest. He discovered time travel. No, he did not discover time travel. He discovered a solution where you could get a Mobius strip and invert it and focus on some Planck units or whatever. He, he ironed out time travel. Ironed out, please. The person who discovered time travel was the rat. You're right. The, the rat did the, I have a lot of questions about that rat. Anyway. Uh, I, man. I, I genuinely feel like, and I, I think it's a different universe now that we live in. A post Tony world? Not, not, not even like within that universe, but I feel like in post Tony Stark, post Iron Man, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has never been more unmoored. And we're, I'm not sure where it's going to go. I'm excited for it. But the, the fact that, and also, it wouldn't be a supplement to reading if I didn't talk about the times I get really emotional. Yeah. Uh, talking to, and this didn't even hit me as Pepper Potts talking to Iron Man slash Tony Stark. This hit me as someone talking to Robert Downey Jr. at the end of an 11 year sprint making these movies and saying, now you can rest. Well, I think more accurately, accurately it would be, now you can do Sherlock Holmes 3. Yes, now you can finally do Sherlock Holmes 3, which, which you've been champing at the bit for. Yep. Uh, but I, I feel like, yeah, it's Iron Man's movie. You can't tell me no different. I, I mean, I it's, don't disagree is the thing. I do yeah. not disagree. I just think there are, because there, there are emotional send-offs for the original Characters minus Hulk and Hulk, Hulkeye. Hulk minus Hulk and Hawkeye. Like everyone yeah. else. Cause like, we, Thor gets a huge focus. Captain America gets a huge focus. The whole, uh, Black Widow sacrifice gets a huge focus. Yes. Uh, like everyone has at least a moment. And I will say Iron Man's is of course the biggest. Mm-hmm. And the most cryiest. Because he's the first Avenger. Because wow. he is. Yeah. Yeah. Not in name, <laughs> but, but in, in fact. In in fact, he is the first Avenger that, that we fell in love with. And then we saw him die, killing Thanos and saving us all. Uh, I would like to read something, because there's not going to be a better time in the podcast for it. Uh, it's yeah, a, it's a poem I wrote about Iron Man. No. Uh, <laughs> That's how you should have opened it. Uh, but no, it is... We're talking about the the inception of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I realized at some point that... Uh, okay. I realized that at some point in history that Marvel movies had to have been new, right? Yeah. So this all started in 2008. Industry buzz over Marvel Studios started back in 2005... And I'd like to read uh, two articles for you that I believe are both from, I don't know, the New York Times. Oh, that old rag? Uh, so let me tell you the, the headline. Paramount Pacts for Marvel Picks. Captain America, Nick Fury, and others headed for the silver screen. 
Paramount has inked a lucrative exclusive distribution deal with Marvel for films based on the comic book publisher's remaining characters. Paramount? Wait for it. The Pact is the first major deal negotiated on the watch of new chief executive Brad Gray. Many of its A-list characters are already taken by other studios. Spider-Man lives at Sony, Iron Man is at New Line Cinema, and X-Men resides at Fox. Among the first of its superheroes headed for the silver screen, Captain America and Nick Fury, an American version of James Bond. What? Ah, uh, the new studio... What? The new studio is the latest step since its emergence from bank, from Chapter 11 Bankruptcy Protection in 1998. The company now makes most of its profits from licensing its characters for toys, video games, and movies. Marvel has never produced a movie on its own until now. To fund the slate, Marvel arranged a seven-year, $500 million revolving credit facility with Merrill Lynch Commercial Finance Corporation, yada, yada, yada. Right, so people had no... One, that never happened. Yeah, that absolutely never happened. And then one year, not even one year after... Yeah, May 19th is about one year after uh, Iron Man came out. Okay. Uh, the We all liked Iron Man. I'm not sure if The Incredible Hulk came out. Uh, but from the casting couch section of, I believe, the New York Times. Oh, that old wreck? Uh, the headline reads, Marvel rolls dice, big bet, casts no names for Thor. He was a no name. Despite rumors that had everyone from Shia LaBeouf to Josh Hartnett being cast in Kenneth Branagh's version of Thor, two virtual unknowns will instead be handed the keys to the Marvel franchise. Australian actor Chris Hemsworth, who you might recall from the opening scene of Star Trek, will play the Norse superhero, and Tom Hiddleston has been cast as his nemesis Loki. Let's hope they follow the J.J. Abrams route and put the money they saved in casting straight to special effects. I, they were total unknowns. Uh, notice that they mentioned J.J. Abrams and that, special effects yeah. for Star Trek. Yeah. Nice. Man. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy world. And now, you know, they're household names. They're more than that. They're action figures. They're Legos. <laughs> they're everything. They're stickers. Yeah, and the, uh, the deal that Marvel signed to open its own studio... Uh, was half of what Infinity, half of what Endgame made in its opening weekend. Wow. We have come a long way in 11 years. And that's just, that's just money stuff. That's not even talking about how, how much the stories have evolved. Yeah, that's not even talking about how, how embedded in the culture these things have become. Now I want to talk about one thing that is multiple things where i contain multitudes how did hulk get those jumpers no who makes those jumpers stabbed who makes those jumpers um so was he eating crepes i don't know like a big bowl of crepes i no it was eggs and uh, yeah there was a big bowl of eggs but it looked like there was like folded over i don't know pancakes okay it's more than likely yeah all right so if we think of infinity war as the call then Endgame is the response. Uh-huh. And we gushed over Infinity War and all the risks it took. The, you know, heroes losing, breaking these rules, and leaving us in a, in a state of unsolved conflict. Like, it, it's a movie, it, it was a movie first for a major franchise. And so the response to that is, well, you have to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately... If the call is sort of breaking these tropes, breaking these characters, then the response kind of has to go back to the normal. Yeah. It has to rely on tropes that are well-established, 
and kind of go through superhero movie hoops. Mm-hmm. And to that end, the major vehicle that we've already revealed that that you predicted, they lean heavily on time travel yeah, to fix their problems. They they lean so heavily on time travel. I'm always one who's down for a good time heist. Uh, I like that it they. they that there are, there are at least half-hearted attempts at making this a, quote, heist movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of wish they would have leaned further into that vein. Because I know the Russos, they know genre mixing. They, they, they directed on Community. They executive produced the first four seasons of Community. Mm-hmm. But it kind of, the, the, time travel is fine. I just don't like it as a major plot point. And a larger story. Uh, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think that time travel is something that... When you introduce time travel, you start to play with stakes in a way that is really unsatisfying. And I think that because... Because the crux of this film was time travel, everything felt significantly unmoored. Because the reason why Infinity War was such a good movie, and I watched it again recently. Oh yeah, I watched it twice recently. It's an amazing movie because not only is it breaking the rules like we established, but it had one central idea. Mm -hmm. And the one central idea is the methodical, scientific deconstruction of everything you love. Yes, and it, it's, they took everything you loved apart, piece by piece by piece, by interaction. Victories were pyrrhic or minor. Any bit of ground that was gained took forever. And at the end, it was all for nothing. Yes. And that is a ballsy thing to do. But to fix that problem, you have to stop doing ballsy things. You, yeah, you can't keep doing that, you know? And as much as great as living in this slow build world of like, this is the reality of the last movie, these are the consequences, this is what life is like now, it's gotta come to an end somehow. Yeah. And if that's the only, if they landed on time travel as their vehicle, then I, I wanna say at least they did it in sort of a non-confusing way, where it's like, we're not changing the future by going to the past. We're paving a new future by going to alternate pasts. Yeah, and, and I mean, it wasn't even going to alternate pasts. It's just you're creating a past that's part of your future. It, it's the part of the, the it's the, the version of time travel where you're not going to your own timeline. Going back in time creates a new timeline for you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe there was too much explanation of that going on. But they had to do that. But the problem with time travel is you fall into what I call the anti-Looper dilemma. Yeah. You've seen Looper. Yes, I have. The best part about Looper is Bruce Willis says unequivocally, don't think about it so much. It's gonna drive you crazy. Yeah, they wanted to do a time travel movie without the whole... A non-primer time travel where it's not about time travel. It's about the story you can tell with time travel. So you don't need to understand the mechanics... Just accept that it's here. Yeah, you you just have to accept that time travel exists. But they they set up enough systems that it felt kind of weightless and weird and made me start asking questions. And I did like the time I... Also really cool that when Loki just, like, picks up the Tesseract, he just pieces out. And then, like, ah, oh, well, I guess this universe is a write-off. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's... He just... He's just like, whoop, 
Boop. He's just out of there. Yeah, because he's Loki. And, and that made me excited for 1.2 seconds, because like, oh, that means Loki's gonna... This isn't the same Loki as the Loki from Prime Universe. Yeah. Which makes me sad again. Not Loki Prime. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, the, the time travel thing, it... I understand, and I, I think it is cool that they called it out in the previous movie, and everyone saw it when Doctor Strange was like, I looked at 14 million different possibilities, there's only one where we win. Yes. Uh, which... I love me some Doctor Strange. Uh, I I liked that, but if you're if that's the supposition you're making, then it makes it feel like the only circumstance under which we win is one that relies so heavily on coincidence. Yeah, everything feels kind of coincidental and thrown together. And like how, yes, he's using the time stone, but in that scene, the other people are moving in real time. So how in-depth is he getting for each of these runs that he's viewing? And he views 14-whatever-million. Is he just looking at, like, the end result? Is he just looking to see, oh, we beat him. All I can, all I have time to see is Iron Man's there. Therefore, Iron Man's involved. I don't know any other details. I'm not looking at run after run with a rat doesn't hit the button. Because that would be insane. Yeah. But honestly, that rat saved the universe. How did he control for the rat? How? Because you're right. This, all of this only worked because of coincidence. Because the rat stepped on the button. Because Ken Jong was there to see uh, Paul Rudd waving into the security cameras. Because Paul Rudd had the wherewithal to figure out it only been five hours his time. I didn't see a watch on his costume. How did he know that? Yeah. Like, because of all of these seemingly coincidences, yeah, everyone was saved. And th- is, is that the universe that Stephen Strange created for us? Who knows? I, it's, it's really, it's difficult to have this conversation because I'm of two minds about it. Because on one end, I definitely don't want to be the person who looks at the story as it is and finds, like, minor inconsistencies to say the movie was not good because of this or this or this. Uh, because I don't think that's an important conversation to have, but I do feel like it's important to talk about how time travel as a storytelling device and how they used it took away one of the biggest things that I loved about Infinity War, which was the absolute weight of everything that was happening. It, it, it just, like you said, it kind of... When you introduce the concept of time travel, everything becomes a little more floaty. And as much as I really did enjoy seeing extended scenes of sections of movies we skipped over. Yeah. Like the end of the first Avengers, when they're arresting Loki and going down the elevators, we get to see like these little funny moments like, hey, we're at weight capacity, Hulk, you take the stairs. And we get to see, like, the inner workings of what would become Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Hydra has already infected S.H.I.E.L.D. and is is taking control of uh, the, the Tesseract and stuff like that. We can see all these little details that we that have been sprinkled throughout these movies. I thought it was really cool, by the way, that they gave Captain America an opportunity to say, Hail Hydra. I thought oh, that yeah. was really funny. And we got to see the reverse elevator scene. Yeah. Where he enters into the middle of this, I, I want to. I would hope it's the same group of guys. Probably not. Yeah, but you would hope. You would hope. But and then he gets to say "Hail Hydra," which is like, it's like, yeah, cool. It, it's funny. Oh, I love it. It's cool. Just like he did in the comics. Well, in the comics, it was it was a different thing. Yeah, a whole different context. But it was still cool. But it was still cool, and people laughed. Yeah, it was a laughter moment, and like we, we 
I even love the scene with War Machine and Nebula watch. Like they do a, I don't even it might even be the same footage, but like a shot for shot remake of Quill dancing up to the Power Stone, and then like the camera shifts, and War Machine goes. Oh, so this guy's an idiot, right? And Nebula goes, "Yeah." I, I love that we get to see that scene without hearing the music. Yes. No, that was that was extremely clever. Like these are all amazing moments, and they're only possible through time travel. I just feel like the vehicle of time travel opens up so many po- possible confusions. Yeah, you're just opening yourself up to the potential that the audience member won't be able to follow. That they're going to draw other conclusions. That like my thirty, uh, late thirties, early forties coworker who now doesn't work with me anymore, but I see these movies with, thinks, oh, they can just go save Iron Man. Oh. They could just use time machine. No, they could just use the time machine and go get Iron Man. He's not gone. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't let people think that. And, and that because then, because then going forward, then the whole universe has no stakes. Yeah, exactly. When you use time travel, you open up the possibility for, like, well, why don't, why don't they just use time travel again, you know? And that robs gravity. It robs stakes. It, it, if you th- walk out of that theater thinking, oh, they can just go get Iron Man again, the scene where Iron Man sacrifices himself, loses all weight, and that is the biggest crime that you could ever commit against this movie. I feel like there is a, a very legitimate thing that's happening to comic book movies that has happened to comic books. And it happened to comic books decades and decades ago. But it's when you have a certain amount of narrative weight, when, when you pile so much on a narrative, eventually something has to break. And typically that break is we break the rules of the universe to make what we want to happen happen. Yeah. Uh, which has been done very, very, very poorly in comic books dozens of times and is done pretty well in this movie. But you worry about if... Superman's died three times. Yeah. There's no stakes in Superman dying. Like, you you read the stories for entertainment purposes, but there's no weight to any of the shit anymore. And, and I want to say as a message to, to anyone who's working on a Marvel script in the future, I think they've introduced one rule in this universe that's been followed basically to a T so far. Dead is dead. Yeah. Unlike comic books, where people come, they die and they come back all the time. And even in the DC mistake of a universe, Superman dies and is brought back. Spoilers for Justice League. Who the fuck cares? I think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, dead should be dead. No ifs, ands, or buts. And that sucks. Because a lot of a lot of good characters died. Mm-hmm. But if dead isn't dead, then nothing has stakes. Yeah, I mean I, I see undoing the snapture. That's I Well I, yeah, that's that's a completely different thing. Yeah, totally different thing. But like going forward, yes. absolutely dead should be dead. Like on screen deaths not caused by a cl- cosmic glove and some fancy jewels, dead is dead. A life a, a soul for a soul means gone forever. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, yes. I, but also time travel, and this is maybe something that I also don't love about the movie and that it leans very heavily on like a warm nostalgia feeling, which Infinity War fought against. But I am not a huge fan of everything that brought Thanos back as an antagonist. It felt 
Because why would you send Nebula to the one time when she could share a hive mind consciousness with another Nebula and let you know? Whatever. Uh, also, I, I, Nebula was also kind of the protagonist of that movie in a weird way. Well, I, that, I mean, the thing, the thing, the obvious slap in the face answer that the Russos want you to believe is they didn't think of it. Yeah. Because Nebula has never existed. Against, There's never been two Nebulas. Yeah. yeah it's, it, maybe it's not something you could have predicted. I also had a hard time with that, with the setup as Thanos again as the antagonist. I can see the reasons why he, this version of Thanos did the things he did. And it, it like, held under a microscope, it might stand up. Yeah. Because this is a Thanos who's not achieved his destiny, but he sees evidence of a Thanos who has achieved his destiny. And rather than being the, like, and four years separates those those two versions of Thanos. Mm-hmm. So this is a younger, albeit not that much, a younger, still on the hunt Thanos. Yeah, he's never even touched an Infinity Stone yet. Mm-hmm. He hasn't crushed Zendar or whatever for their stone. And then he knows where all of them are. And he knows where all of them are. And I think seeing himself cut down. Knowing that that version of Thanos didn't care to fight back, and all that this version of Thanos knows is slaughter and fighting, I think he's jealous of himself. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it absolutely works for his character because in being killed for completing his noble mission, that's a vision of paradise for Thanos. That's exactly what he wants, and <laughs> he's so far away from that that even with all the stones in front of him in his grasp. When he finally gets to a place where he can go find the stones, he's still this weird brash warrior where he's like, Nebula, you go get the Infinity God. Bring me the stones. I'm going to wait here. Mm-hmm. If it was the other, like, if it was the 2018 version of Thanos, he would probably go f- try to find the stones himself. Yeah, because that the Thanos of back then was just like on a big rock throw and it Ex- was like go get go get shit for me. And, and it, like it just it it takes I don't know, a lot of mental gymnastics to get to the point where like okay, this is sort of like teenage Thanos even though it's only 4 years. He's a younger, brasher, more arrogant version of himself, not the calm, cool, collected protagonist that we see in Infinity War. Yeah, because in Infinity War, he has gone through a trial by fire to get these Infinity Stones, and he grasps what their power is. Yes. Uh, but one thing that I... And we, we should talk time travel, and for good reasons. One thing that time travel gave us, and I really genuinely did love, even though I feel like a big portion of it is trading in that warm nostalgia feeling, I love that we had the opportunity... To relitigate the fight of the universe versus Thanos. And honestly, in a, <laughs> this is the payoff. You know, this, if you're, if we're gonna have to sit through a time heist time travel movie, there needs to be a huge payoff. This ending fight is everything that Infinity War should be in one 30 minute chunk. No, the, the final battle of that movie is mind boggling. The, when, when on your left happens and you realize what's happening, you realize Doctor Strange is back. Everyone came back and realized what the threat was and everyone's there to fight it. Paradise. Um, Movie paradise. Yeah. Like, Howard the Duck's there. Oh, I didn't see him. He's in the background. Well, I was going to say Titan Chef Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I we have no food, but magnifique. It was it was two and a half hours. It was an hour and a half of great dystopia. It was an hour of okay time. So time so travel. time travel heist movie. But in the last thirty minutes, God, they really they really did it. They, okay, in the last thirty minutes, other than because. A major problem that I've got with this movie we can't even talk about. Why not? Be, I don't know. There's not enough time. We, there's we might time. talk about it. There's time. But the last 30 minutes is just so good. Yeah. It's, it's almost perfect because you get to see every character do everything you've wanted to see them do to Thanos and the Chitari and his dumb wizards. You've just wanted that so bad, and then they just do it. It's great. It's... And, and when I like, it, there's still stakes there because it's not a one-sided fight by any means. But it's 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 not even worth talking about because I think if any part of this movie was done well, it's that last thirty minutes. And I wouldn't want to rob anyone of the pure enjoyment that it is watching that unfold in every second of delicious Titan Chef kiss. Ugh. That it is. It was. It was just so good, man. Maybe, maybe one of the most iconic things the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever done is when Captain America gets the hammer. Oh man! When Captain America gets the hammer, my theater went fucking wild. Everyone cheered. <laughs> Thor's like yelling, "I knew it!" it was so like it, it. It was earned. It was great. It was yeah. perfect. They had to do a time ice to get that hammer. That's the only reason time travel was here. <laughs> like if the Russo brothers came out and said, we did time travel so Cap could have the hammer, I would be completely okay with it. I almost feel like, and maybe this is giving them more credit than they deserve. They deserve a lot of credit. They deserve all the credit I, in the world. I feel like it's it's like you you wake up one day and then your best friend or your significant other... It, like urged you to like get you out of school. I guess your mom would do that. They're like our moms. My so, significant other gets me out of school. So they're like our moms. Our mom or our 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 parent figure got us out of school for the day. I'm like, this is weird. Why am I out of school for the day? And then they like drive you around. They like take you on errands with them. I don't know why I'm here. I could be in like, why are you taking me? Here and they're just like taking you places. They stop at the park. They like visit somebody. Like your whole school day is gone. You're not having a lot of fun. You're like, I don't know what is happening. And then they take you home, and it's a massive surprise birthday party with all your friends from school. That's, like, yeah, they they did something that you didn't like or understand to give you the one thing that you knew that you wanted that they knew that you wanted. You didn't even know you wanted it, <laughs> but they knew, and they they they. There was a long trudging walk and long five years, or actually at this point a long like eleven years and twenty two movies. Yeah, but finally here is the the bow on the end of this saga with everything you could ever want in it. Yes. Still have problems with the Black Widow thing, though. About her dying? Uh, I about, have... About her taking over S.H.I.E.L.D.? You don't like women in powerful roles? So, there's a moment in the final battle, and a couple articles have been written about this, where there's, like, a, a really cool kind of girl power pastiche moment. I have a weird feelings about this. I, th I think that the staging of that was fine. I f also feel like it was completely unearned. Uh, because it's sitting on top of a ton of movies that were actually pretty shitty to women. Fucking watch Iron Man 2 again. It's gross. Uh, Iron Man 2 is so gross. 
they they talk about how hot Black Widow is, and then Tony Stark's like, "Oh, I want one." Yeah, it's real gross. That is kind of gross. Uh, and women, female characters haven't been given like great positions of prominence leading up to fairly recently and i think a lot of that has to do with ike perlmutter who used to be ceo of marvel and fucking sucks is he gone uh he's no longer ceo he has uh, gone on record as saying that uh he blocked merchandising rights for black widow because he said that female superheroes wouldn't make any money and didn't allow them to make any female superhero movies and he also said all black people look the same uh that's kind of really (laughs) awful and super problematic so the person over the marvel cinematic universe is now kevin feig great ice pearl mutter is out kevin feige has been over the marvel cinematic universe for a couple years now yeah for a couple years ike pearl mutter is no longer there but i how far back are we going uh, really, the representation thing started once Ike Perlmutter was out. Under Kevin Feig, we had like uh, we had Black Panther. We His had name the first is Feige. Feige, yeah, Fiji water. Anyway, uh, but no, once Ike Perlmutter was out, we started having more representation. So Age of Ultron, around Age of Ultron time, I guess. Okay, but like before that, they were pretty gross about women. Women didn't have like great moments. Uh, I feel like number one, Hawkeye should have died. Why? I feel like Hawkeye should have died because we've been prepping ourselves for the death of Hawkeye this whole time. Since Age of Ultron. Since Age of Ultron, we've been preparing for the death of Hawkeye. And I feel like he he could have owned it. But people were also predicting that Black Widow was going to die. So I like that they ended up fighting for who was going to get to die. It's a really great moment. Uh, it, it was a very good moment. But I feel like it would have made more sense for Hawkeye to die given the fact that he had that weird dark turn. Well, But also you would have... I love Hawkeye, but you would have given Black Widow more of an opportunity to grow as a character in the future. I also feel like they didn't mourn her enough. They had a couple scenes where people were sad, but Iron Man got a funeral, but she didn't. Iron Man's Iron Man started the, the whole thing. Yeah, Iron but Man Black started, Widow was one of the original six Avengers. Iron Man started the whole the whole. I don't know if you know this. He started the whole cinematic universe. Oh, you're right. He was the protagonist. The Russo. So the Russo brothers did a Q and A Q&A in China. No, it was just Joe. Just Joe Russo did a Q and A in China, and someone said they wanted to see Black Widow's funeral on screen. Or like, why didn't they have one for her? And he said, well, "Don't you remember?" <laughs> The translation might be the issue here. Like, don't you remember they were all sad at the end of that dock? Maybe they had the funeral off screen. You don't know. But that might just be the translation. I don't really think that that's Joe. Remember how angry the Hulk was? How he threw that bench and then just kind of kept talking about what they were going to do next? I thought that was shitty. They had bigger things to fry, man. I guess. I, I just feel like... I feel like the girl power moment was unearned if they're not willing. I feel like what they were doing was representation through imagery, but they weren't actually pressing for representation through representation. This is, that's basically the problem. And problem is a small word here that I had with that scene. It's a great scene. Uh, My wife was very jazzed about it. That's kind of downplaying it. She was ecstatic. She loved it. After the movie, she was like, I think my favorite part was that one scene where all the women come together to to help out Captain Marvel. And it's a great scene. But the fact that we're still doing scenes like this in 2019, that's the problem. Like, before that one scene, it was men and women. It wasn't just men fighting. And all of a sudden, the women are there to to, to do that one part. Everyone's fucking fighting. Mm -hmm. Men and women. Doesn't matter. You're not even focused on that. 
But then the huge flashlight comes and highlights this one part. It's like, are you trying to check a box? I mean, I feel like the 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 girl power imagery of that scene totally necessary. I feel like that thing. I feel like things like that are completely necessary in movies because representation isn't about a level playing field at this point. Because we've been playing, we've been playing an asymmetrical game for so long that going out of your way to to represent that is has inherent value. But I also feel like me as a white dude being like, I don't feel like it was earned because whatever. Black Widow didn't get enough screen time. I feel like I'm absolutely not the person who should be saying that's unearned because I'm not the target audience for what that empowering scene is meant to convey. I just feel like when we get to the point where you don't have to do those scenes anymore because they're already contributing to the plot in major ways, I feel like that's better than doing the flashlight scene of... Here's all the women characters, and they're going to do their five minutes of action, and then we're going to get back to Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man to finish out the fight, because, you know. I mean, uh, these movies have been, like, pretty hyper-male for a while, so I'm perfectly okay with... And, I mean, I think that when we get to a point when we don't have to do scenes like that anymore, that'll be great. But we have to get as a society to that point and not as a movie to that point. Well, that's where Black Widow comes in with her movie. Yeah. How are they going to make a movie about a dead person? <laughs> They've done it all. But they do it all the time. It's called a biopic. <laughs> They're going to make a uh, a Black Widow movie where she heists hell. <laughs> That I would watch that 100%. A bunch of people are saying, like, it's going to be Clint talking to his daughter and telling the story of Black Widow. Uh-huh. And that's why he had to survive, to tell the story of Black Widow. What's the manifestation of death in the Marvel Universe? Her name is Death. What if, uh, what if Natasha Romanov defeats death and then comes back to life? And then all stakes are gone because you can defeat death. I mean... You can defeat death in the comic books, but this isn't a comic book. This is a movie. You're right. Representation good. Black Widow handling bad. All my, right. My two cents. My my two cents is it's a good scene, but I look forward to a day where we don't need it because we've already achieved the equilibrium necessary to render scenes like that unnecessary. Yes, absolutely. I look forward to a time when society no longer needs these things. Yeah. But we very much live in a society where we do. Uh, I don't know. Captain Marvel got her own movie. Wonder Woman's got her own movie. Yeah, as of what the last... <laughs> when what, are they going to give Captain America three movies? <laughs> When's Captain America History Month? Am I right? <laughs> All right, so I see what I'm doing. I, I mean, I'm that, when, that's when's Captain America? Tongue in cheek. It's called it's called Fourth of July, you ass. <laughs> that's only one day. That's all he needs. That's all he gets. Captain America is uh, old now. Oh, that is one thing I meant to talk about. It's not what you think. That he's old? No, he's still old. Oh, okay. And for the record, to answer a question my wife had, she's not here in town for me to answer. So I'll just do it on the podcast. It was 95% makeup, 5% CGI. Okay, but 100% His, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. What? Wrong <laughs> actor. 100%. No, it was mostly CGI. It was... No, 95% makeup. Oh, okay. 5% CGI. Okay, then it was then it was definitely Chris Evans. Yeah, 100% Chris <laughs> Evans. 100% the wrong Chris. <laughs> 
Uh, they're wrong, Chris. What did you want to say about old America? I wanted to say about old America. Uh, that was the other point that I get super emotional at at the movie. Yeah. Because the one thing that I wanted was Captain America might be my favorite Avenger in terms of his story. And the one thing that I always wanted was for him to live a life. Yeah. And if we go back to in the support group, he is the person who has experienced the most loss and effectively his entire real life has been i'm a hero and i'm serving in the company of heroes and i've never had a life and that is the one thing that i want above all is to love and be loved and to grow old and be normal and he got that he got that and that's it yeah he just had to go to a universe where there was another captain america running around doing the shit he he didn't want to do yeah i i'm so okay with that yeah I think the passing of the torch to Falcon as the new Captain America, it's happened in the comics before. And I look forward to seeing where it goes in the eventual Disney Plus TV show. Yay, is that really what it is? Yep, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. That sucks. Have you heard about WandaVision? No. That's another show they're making. It's called WandaVision. Is it a... It's about Wanda the Scarlet Witch and Vision. Oh. Wanda Why would they Vision. call it that? Why? I don't like this. I don't like this at all. So back to the... Gr- so you just, So this you, is the end of the Avengers. This, this is, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Disney is going to oversaturate the market with these stories and these characters. Uh, so, you know, it was a good run while it lasted a good 11 years. Some low spots, some high spots. A lot of high spots recently. A lot of low spots in the past. Yeah. What was it? Bob Iger? What's his name? Ike Perlmutter. Ike Perlmutter? Yeah, fuck that guy. He hung out with Donald Trump a lot. He's a Mar-a-Lago person. Oh my god. The more you reveal, the more I just... How did this even get made? He's really the worst. Say what you will say. (laughs) It's hard to say. Say what you'll say about the uh, Marvel Universe. I'm just glad that it ended... On an absolute banger, despite all my hangups. That that's like we we discussed before we started recording. Are we even going to spend time talking about whether it was good or bad? The verdict I got to was, despite all its problems, I still left the theater in awe. I still felt entertained. Therefore, it doesn't matter what problems I have. It's a good movie. Yeah, I I went through a similar thing because I was. The the more distance that I have from the movie, I'm thinking, was this actually a net positive? Was it a good movie? Like, Infinity War is, without question, a fantastic movie. Yeah, it might be one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, in thinking about it, I was like, oh, is this like the return of the Jedi or whatever? Then that's like falsely equivocating. Yeah. And also, Return of the Jedi is a far worse movie than Endgame is. Uh, but it, I was, I was thinking about it and I think that the Russos were very smart in that I think that they knew that they didn't have to make Infinity War and they couldn't. They just had to make something that made people happy with how it ended. Yes. They, they, they had the most powerful tool available, which is they had the entirety of the cultural consciousness in their toolbox. They used it well to their benefit, to their credit. They used it sparingly. And when they did use it, it was used with laser precision. They really knew how to make moments matter and count 
emotionally. And it is not important whether it's good or not, but whether it is a fitting end to this ride we've been on for the last 11 years. And I cannot think of a better way it could have ended. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I have to wonder, like, if they were feeling the pressure of, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to follow this up? If in the back of their mind, there's like, well, we already made one of the best movies already made. So it kind of, as long as we do not, you know, we don't have to top it. And we can't. We probably can't top it. We just have to do our best. And wherever we end up, so when someone threw up time travel, they're like, well, we already have Infinity <laughs> War. Yeah. Let's do time travel. I mean, at that point, once you've made Infinity War, you have to say, we've made this generation's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. We, we've made a movie that pierces through the cultural consciousness beyond the Marvel Cinematic Universe and related properties and has a moment in it and a vocabulary of action that people will remember and reference probably for the rest of their natural lives. We've created something that is so indelibly, what's the word? Scribed into people's minds that at this point we just have to take it home. Yeah. We've, we've already broken free of the pack. We've got the ball. <laughs> and if we're going to do time travel, let's do a bunch of callbacks and, and not Easter eggs, but like, let's just tie in a bunch of shit that people have seen, you know? Yeah. Let's reward people for having sat through 22 movies. By giving them these nuggets of, you could call it nostalgia, but really it's just self-referential humor. Mm -hmm. And we can get away with it because this will be the last time. Yeah. This is the end. Mm -hmm. There's no more time to do this with these characters. And so we're going to get away with something that Joss Whedon probably wanted to do his entire career. We're going to make jokes about the shit we already wrote. Yeah, except we're going to do it way better. And without goddamn quips. Yeah. It's... It's all they needed to do because they had the ball. They had pulled off one of the most amazing plays in the history of the sport. And all they had to do was run. And that's what they did. <laughs> it, it's basically like we, we saw. <laughs> it's basically like Infinity War is the heist. And Endgame is them explaining that they already pulled off the heist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. <laughs> it is the. In f the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly Infinity War and Endgame, are the fast five of movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, oh, man. No, I, I was pretty negative coming into this because I was looking at it with a critical lens. But much like Black Panther, upon actually thinking about it, I realized how much I cared for it. I've been pretty ambivalent about this movie. I I've been going back and forth. Whether, like, I, I think I... I, I like walking out of the theater or, or drive walking. We walked to the theater. So walking home from the theater, I was, I asked my wife, I don't know if I did or didn't. I can't remember. Everything's a blur, but I might've asked, well, I, I guess it doesn't matter if it's good or not because it's over. Yeah. And, and now I, I'm more leaning towards, I, I enjoyed 95% of that film. The other 5% was CGI so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it was 100% Chris Hemsworth. 100% Chris <laughs> Evans, Pines, Pins. Uh, Chris, uh, it's, we, I, it's almost, it's a movie that's free from criticism. It, it's a movie that you can't reasonably critique because of what it is and what it did. 
I mean, we've, we've basically gone through all of the major themes that we wanted to talk about. The construction, the slow build, like all of, all of these things we talked about for the past hour plus. And you could say that's criticism, but really all we're doing is just analyzing mm-hmm. for the sake of trying to understand this beast. It's not like Infinity War where you, you can, we can applaud it and then explain why we applaud it. It's more like this is what it is. And that's it. That's the end. Yeah. We didn't even talk about, uh, we didn't talk about the most important character. Rocket. No, Ant-Man. Paul Rudd's a national (laughs) treasure. I don't know if there's anything more that needs to be said. The only thing you need to know about Ant-Man is that his presence in the movie is just like if Paul Rudd was in the movie. Yes. He's, he's just, oh, it's so good. Fucking Ant-Man. All right. So let's talk about the moments that hit us in the heart. The heart moments. Uh, number one, Paul Rudd seeing his fi- suddenly five-year-older daughter. Yes, definitely, definitely a, a hit in the heart. My, I had a really weird moment that, that hit me kind of early on watching it. I got really, not, I didn't cry, but I got really emotional at share, that like subsistence farmer Thanos. Because to me, at that point, Thanos was still the protagonist. Not that I felt bad for him, but the the thing about Thanos is he's not right. He's never been right, but you kind of get it. Yeah. And and when I we actually said he, <laughs> I will quote us from our last supplemental reading on Infinity War. We both said at the same time, he's not evil. <laughs> I want to amend that statement. He's fucking evil. Yeah, he's We just liked him because he was the protagonist. Yeah. And if you film a movie in such a way that you get a protagonist, they're hard to dislike. Yeah. Uh, but then Thanos was a dickhead and I didn't like him anymore. All right. So tear up moment number two for me. Uh, it's this very, very sad moment between a father and his daughter. Thanos <laughs> is realizing that maybe he, trot, he, he taught, he treated, Jesus Christ, he treated Nebula a little harshly. And then Thor lops his head off. It's like, what the fuck? No! The one moment Nebula has probably lived for her entire life and you literally cut it short. You literally cut his head off. The... God, all that I love you 3000 stuff. That's really good. Uh, man, Iron Man's daughter, every time. Morgan Man. Every, every time. Morgan Iron Man. Every time. Morgan, yeah, great. Great, great, great casting, great, great acting by that small child. 95% CGI. 95% CGI, 5% Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> He's got range. Uh, crying moment number three. Uh, Hulk opens this, seemingly looks like a shack, and the camera reveals Fat Thor <laughs> for the first time. Everyone cried upon seeing Fat Thor for the first time. I just want to go on record and saying Fat Thor is my spirit animal. And also, my physical embodiment <laughs> of myself. Uh, I I don't know why this was this moment for me. Yeah. But when I realized what was happening in the final battle, and I realized that the gates that were open... Not that. Oh. When I realized that the gates that were opening was the entirety of the universe. Yes. Uh, tears just came to my eyes. Not out of sadness. Tears of joy. But out of, like... It, it hit everything in my brain. I was like, it was pride in a weird <laughs> way. I felt proud of this thing that I was watching. Not proud of these characters, but I was 
proud that this is what it was. So much dopamine flowed into your system. That <laughs> it came out of my tear ducts. <laughs> your brain, yeah. No, that's better, yeah. It just flowed out of your tear ducts, and you're like, oh, sugar, you. Yeah, that... Oh, also, uh, I did not have this moment, but I almost did, but when... I our theater had some talkers in it, but the what the no kill them. They weren't. Ta- they didn't talk a lot. Okay. They mostly shut up. But uh, I felt everyone hold their breath when Tony Stark said, "I am Iron Man," and I heard a guy behind me go, <gasps> "Yeah." It was because when when you see the Infinity Stones creeping up his arm, you're like, "Oh, he's dead." Yeah, he's dead. It's. So good. Oh, man. We had people like Thanos goes like, you know, oh, I am inevitable. And he snaps and nothing happens. Somebody audible, audibly laughed. <laughs> yeah. Like, ha! It's, it's gonna be that way because the, you have so much tension in your body at that moment. Yeah. And then when he snaps and nothing happens, you're like, huh, amazing. Yeah. This is perfect. All right. So moment number, there are wind chimes now. I don't know if they're being picked up. <laughs> We don't record in this room anymore. Uh, moment number four of tears. I almost held it together. I could feel my eyes welling up. But then Gwyneth Paltrow excuses Tom Holland and says, I got this. Oh, no. And tells Tony that he can rest. And when she breaks because she can see that he's gone, I fucking lost it. Uh, I fucking, I'm losing it now. Uh, like, that... You can have problems with Gwyneth Paltrow as a person, yeah. as an actor in that moment. She acted circles around every goddamn person on the planet. She's a very good actor. I lost it at Iron Man Spider-Man hug. The, oh, I, the I first lost one? it because he didn't care what Spider-Man was yeah. saying. He didn't care. He just wanted... He felt so... He was so subsumed with guilt yeah. that he just wanted to hug him. Because he's basically his son. <laughs> and then... Peter Parker says, oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Uh, we said that, yeah. Tom Holland is the best That's Spider-Man. That's better be... <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I said Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Uh, accurate. Uh, I feel like... What, I didn't, I didn't did... cry for old old America. No. I mean, I got, I got emotional because I... Was there an after credit scene? There wasn't. No. There was, there was no mid-credits, there was no after-credits. There was, like, a noise, but we didn't stay through that. Okay. If you stay to the very end, you can hear the hammer of hitting steel. Or, I, I guess, better said, iron. Uh-huh. Calling back to when Tony Stark made his, made oh, his, first, made suit his first suit in the cave. And uh, the, the Russo brothers have come out to say, that's not, that's just... Sort of a callback or an homage to where it all began. Yeah. It's not building forward. It's saying goodbye. Also, it's the last uh, Avengers movie because they killed the mid and post credit scene. Yeah. Um, they got dusted. <laughs> <laughs> they got dusted. We- weirdly, they were both uh, life forms snapped in the first snap and they were on Thanos' <laughs> side. So they were snapped in the second snap. Weird. 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 Oh, man. All those... All of Thanos' stuff getting dusted when oh, he's the man. last person to go. And, and him realizing it and just sort of sitting down, kind of like, yeah, he's, what is there else to do? He sits down and, like, 
like lets all the air out of his lungs because he knows what's about to happen. He's so disappointed. Yeah. It's so perfect. It's great. What more? What else is there to say? <sighs> really excited for that Men in Black International movie. What? What? Men in What? Is that the Marvel's... What? No, it's just a... Uh... I mean, one of the better, like, team-ups, I guess, in, in this, what, in this latter Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline is Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. They've been, they were in Thor Ragnarok together, they were in this movie together, and they're also gonna be together in Men in Black International in theaters June something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so part of the Cinematic Universe because, as we've discussed, it's 95% Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yes. I I don't know I don't know what else there is to say. Um, I mean, other than like goodbye to a series that we followed for eleven years, mm-hmm. and here's to the next series that maybe we'll follow for another eleven years. Here's here's to new beginnings. I uh, thought it was all over at Age of Ultron. I thought that's where it went to shit, but they really did it. It, it, it was definitely in a nosedive. Around then, and then somehow they pulled up. I want to go watch Infinity War again. You should, but, you know. First, uh, we, we do need to say goodbye to someone else. Ike Perlmutter? No. Friend of the show? Oh, no, fuck that guy. No, I meant we need to say goodbye to the Russo brothers. Are they no longer on Marvel? This is the last Marvel movie that they're going to direct. That's fair. They already made all of the best ones. I was about to say, like... Go out on top. You made four of the best Marvel <laughs> movies. You might as well retire to something else. You made the best Captain America movie. And then you made the best Avengers movie in Civil War, which was a Captain America movie. And then you made the best Avengers movie with Infinity War. And then you made the best Avengers movie with Endgame. Eh, well, probably Infinity War. Eh, I would ranking say... Is, r- ranking is... To complete your joke, it's the best uh, Captain America movie. Then the best Avengers movie in Civil War then the best Avengers movie in Infinity War, and then the best ending for the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. The best Endgame. Iron Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the best Iron Man movie. Even though... You know, we did a lot of agreeing to disagree in this episode. Usually we're in total agreement. Yeah, I guess as divisive as is the plot of time travel, there's a sentence I need to go back in time to fix. As divisive... Div- God damn it. Hold on, wait. I need to uh, get the PIM particles. Oh, uh, get them PIM. As divisive as time travel is as a device in storytelling, this movie was divisive in smaller points for us. But we still landed in the same place. Titan. Titan. You know, you were in the last uh, supplement to Radio Infinity where we ended on, like, some snaps. Yeah. But that's... We can't do that. We can't do that, because we're not on Thanos' side, except if you count the last supplemental reading. Yeah, no, we were kind of on Thanos' side. Uh, But, I mean, look, there's there's no cute gimmick we can go out on. And I think the ending of the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't deserve a cute ending. I think it, it, it earns a, you know... Like it, love it, gotta have more of it. Uh, so, what is our rating for the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe? You know, for the entire 23-odd movies over a course of 11 years, I like it. You know, I like it too. You might even say, I love it 3,000. Oh, in the heart! 
the heart. Jesus. You gotta warn people. You can rest now. <laughs> it's really a shame that Henry died because he actually has to read the social media because it's a supplemental reading. You're right. Good thing we have time travel to bring me back. Hold on, wait. Pim particles go back in time. So they're they're like little red bubbles. They're like little red goo. Yeah, they're red goo. They're little red goos. If you want to send us your red goo, you can do so at twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ, which stands for John. Stands for Xanos, Canos. Thanos did nothing wrong. Thanos was right. There was a pod of whales in the Hudson today. Fewer ships, less pollution. They thrive. If we could just make the universe without people who remembered what came before it, then we'd be okay. And if you want to send us an email, like a longer thing, like two vials of red goo, then you can do so at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. We accept all invitations. You know, we get emails from a raccoon now, so nothing's that strange. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can do so by searching for zero credits podcast in the Facebook search bar. We do stuff there. Uh, if you want to find us on Spotify, all you got to do is go to the podcast section of Spotify, type in zero credit, open parenthesis S, close parenthesis, and then you can listen to us wherever Spotify is supported. No, we can't really do Twitch. You can't do Twitch? Okay. We're on Apple Podcast and iTunes. Do people use iTunes anymore? Yeah. Okay. We're on those two things. Look for zero credits. Give us a review. Give us a star rating. And we can have enough infinity stones to bring back all the others. Like us. Yeah. I just want enough infinity stones to bring back the bad guy from Iron Man 1, Obadiah Stane. (laughs) And, as always, the most important thing, the only thing that keeps us alive in this long five-year period before they can solve all our problems, word of the mouth is the only way we survive the snapture. So if you tell two friends and they dust, find two more friends, and if they dust, find two more friends, and if they dust, find two more friends, and if they dust... Find two more friends, and if they dust, find two more friends, and if they dust, find two more friends, and if they dust, find two more friends, and if they dust. And from everybody here at the Zero Credits Supplemental Studios, Supplemental Reading Studios, we want to wish you a happy rest of your life. What are you going to do without these movies? Yeah, seriously, what are you going to talk about at work, you know, with like... That nerdy guy who verges on creepy, but sometimes holds it back because he's in public? Once Game of Thrones and the Marvel movies are over, civil discourse is dead. What are you going to do, read a book? Who are we going to talk about who's going to fucking die? Nobody, because they're all dead. Yeah, what is internet journalism going to be reduced to? Talking about who's going to live in the next episode of... Mad Men 2? Uh, who's gonna be killed in the next episode of The News? Fucking The Anchor? What's left? What's left? All is dead and we have killed it. No! Bye. Bye.
truth is, I am Iron Man. 